Jonah. Anybody know where the story of Jonah is found in the Bible? The book of? I mean, you're way ahead. You're way ahead already. So if you need to use the table of, of contents, go for it. Uh, it's somewhere near Obadiah and Obi-Wan Kenobi, somewhere in there among some, some interesting names of prophets. But Jonah, Jonah was a, a prophet that was, uh, we could say, reluctant prophet that's being kind. And as we dive into Jonah 2, Jonah chapter 2, we're going to try to get through the whole chapter. What is God's process for getting our undivided attention? Do you know that? It seems like God has a way. God has a way of getting people's attention. I don't know if you've experienced throughout the years that, that deep down you knew God's trying to get a hold of me. God, God's trying to get my attention. And he will do whatever it takes. He will go to whatever lengths. He is relentless. Everybody say relentless. He is relentless in his pursuit of those that he loves. Do you know that you're loved? Do you know that you're loved? And that he's after you. Do you know that he's pursuing you? And it's for your good. It's not to beat you up, punish you, guilt you, shame you. It's to free you. It's to liberate you. It's to give you life because he has a mission. And Jonah was on mission here, but he took a, a left instead of a right. The mission was east, and he went, help me out, he went, he went west. Yeah, he, he didn't go like northeast. He didn't go southeast when he was called to go east. He went directly west. He got to a ship, and he said, can I get a, a ticket, one ticket, just one, right? Because I'm leaving God, it's just me, one-way ticket to not Nineveh, please. The people that were hard, that were hateful, that were destroying themselves, destroying others, that were godless, beyond hope, and God saw what was happening, and he was moved with compassion, moved with mercy to display to the most wicked city at the time, Nineveh, and he was going to send Jonah, who was supposed to be a help, was supposed to be a follower of the one true God, and now we have a city and we have a prophet, both saying, no to God. And that's a problem. Everybody say that's a problem. We should confess. When you're in church, you should be honest, right? Is there any lying in church? Everybody say no. I cannot lie in church. I cannot lie in church, right? We always tell the truth. We always tell the truth, at least here, okay? All right. How many of us would be known as, maybe as parents, or you're the, the grandparent, or the aunt and uncle, whatever, whatever it is, you're known as the yeller. You are the, the one that's like, Got the boom, got the, the voice. Any, any, anybody want to confess? All right, that would be me. I, I'm being honest, all right? I, God's going to deal with y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm confessing here. And I, I wonder if, if we think about God as father pursuing Jonah as, as a son, as a dear son, and God, God was yelling, all right? And he didn't do it with his voice. What did he do it with? Who's the one that created everything? And God says, I, I'm going to use... I'm going to use my creation to scream that uh, you, you, you need to behave. You need to come back. You need to do what you're told. You need to obey. And he does it with a storm. He does it with, we're going to find out today, he does it with a big old fish. He uses whatever means possible to get the message across, to get your undivided attention. We're going to see it in the book of Jonah. So let's get low before the Lord as we dive in. Father, Thank you so much. Thank you that, that you are not done with us. You are not finished. You never give up. You never quit. You keep calling to us. You keep wooing us and, and longing for us to come home. God, for some of us, we, we've been wandering for some time. 
God, we have, we have gone our own way. We have done what was right in our own eyes, and we feel, we feel really justified about it. We feel really good about our, our reasonings and our excuses. And so did Jonah. And so God, remind us this morning, I am Jonah. I am Jonah. God, each of our hearts are so prone to wander. Bring us back. Bring us back to you. God, do whatever it takes. You love us, and your love is relentless. God, you will not give up. You will not stop until our hearts are yours. And so would you do that today? Would you bring us back home today? We pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Before we dive into chapter 2, some of you that were here last week know we didn't quite make it all the way through chapter 1, okay? And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be kicking off here. If you have your Bible open, we're reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, and we are going to be finishing up, finishing up chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at this. There seems to be a five-step process to God getting our undivided attention. If you're taking notes, step one, here it is. How does God get your attention? How does he do it? Here's two words you can jot down. Break down. Break down. Verse 17 of chapter 1, Jonah And the Lord appointed a great fish. So, uh, is God in control? Help me out. Is God in control? God has always been in control. He can do whatever he wants. He can use whatever he wants. And if God is sovereign over all, do you think that God could do maybe something totally impossible? He could do something miraculous, like even use a fish. So big, obviously the the fish is big enough. Could it have been a whale? Maybe. Uh, A fish large enough to swallow a man. Everybody say that's big. Help me out, that's big. Everybody say it. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And think about the timing. Because moments earlier, what was happening on the deck? The, the ship is about to break because God's judgment is coming down. The sailors are like, what is happening right now? They find out that Jonah is supposed to be a man of God. He's supposed to be a prophet. He's supposed to be doing what he's told, speaking what he's told. And he wasn't doing it. And instead, he was what? He was sleeping down below, right? He was sleeping his his escapism mechanism, right? He was sleeping away his responsibilities instead of going in the right direction, submitting, kneeling, right? Bowing the knee on the deck. And instead of doing that, he said, God, I would rather die than obey you in a sense. And he told the sailors to throw him overboard. I mean, think about the timing of where can I find a big old fish and where can I precisely angle that monster fish at Jonah that is about to take his last gasp going under the water. I don't know about you, but God's good. God's good, right? I mean, think about precision, control, sovereignty of God at the very moment. And and I think we take that for granted. Like, he got thrown overboard, he got swallowed by uh, a big fish, right? And then let's continue with the story. But I wonder if we would just pause Like, do you know that God knows exactly where you are? Like, every millisecond. And he knows where everything else is in the universe. And do you think that he's able to to make things happen so precisely? His timing is perfect. His ways are perfect. I don't know about you, but it's just, it's amazing. Because I'm prone to think, well, God, are you, are you lacking in understanding what I need? Are you lacking in power to be able to do it? Are you lacking in your ability to hear what the cries of my heart are? Uh, are you lacking in your ability to, to multitask? 
that you don't see what I'm going through and that you don't see what my needs are. And he sees it all and he knows it all and he's powerful over it all and he's in control of it all. That's our God. Everybody say, that's our God. That, that, that's our God. And this is Jonah's God pursuing Jonah. And what does it say? That the Lord appointed, appointed. What, what in the world does appoint mean? Well, we could go through a couple dozen scriptures of all the ways that God appointed men and appointed times. And here we could just say God has a plan and purpose for every single person and his ways are perfect. His timing is perfect. And Jonah is alive because the moment that he was about to pass out and die, and he was hopeful that he was going to, because when you're defiant, when you're running from God, you don't care what happens. You don't care what happens to others. You don't care what happens to yourself. And here he thought he was going to die, and he woke up. What did he wake up to? When you get swallowed by a big fish, okay, this is what you wake up to. You are now swimming in a, uh, a nice hot tub of roughly 115 degrees with toxic vapors that you can barely breathe and your skin is slowly peeling off and melting away from the acid. Do you, do you think that like he was cheering at the time that he's like, I'm alive, I'm alive. He was going, are you kidding me right now? I'm supposed to be dead and I'd rather be dead and I, and I wonder if at that very moment, Jonah knew, God, this is you, isn't it? and still defying God, how do we know that he was still hardened, that he was not grateful for the rescue? We're going to read on because God's breaking him down and he is hard, hard hearted. So why does God go to such extreme? God demands our attention. God demands our heart's obedience. So why would God go to such extremes? Why so extreme? That's pretty extreme, right? Why so extreme? Everybody asks the question, why so extreme? Why? Why so extreme? Why so extreme? Because God, I don't know if you think about this, God would rather have you living anywhere except in disobedience. God would rather have you living anywhere than living in disobedience. And maybe, this, this is going to sound funny, right? But maybe you're living in a fish this morning. Your life is like, I'm trying to get away from you, God. I got this on my own. I'm just fine apart from you. And God keeps coming after you. And the reality is you don't want him to come after you. Just leave me alone. And God's like, not done yet, not done yet, not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm still after you. I'm still doing whatever it takes. But unfortunately, what it takes for some of us is God needs to like break us down. He needs to bring us to this place that we are low, that we are so frustrated trying to get our attention. Step two, what, what, what's his next process? What's his next step of getting your undivided attention? Well, here's, here's your posture when God gets your attention. If you're taking notes, jot this down, lay down. We go from breakdown to, okay, lay, lay down. The Lord appointed a great fish. Do you see that? Verse 17, right? to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for how long? Three days, three nights. I, I don't think I have to provide a whole lot of commentary as to why Jonah would have to spend, what, why would he spend three whole days, three whole nights in there? Do you think it's because God was trying to prove something and trying to make sure that he learned his lesson? I don't think so. 
I think it's because it took three days of horrifying conditions for him to finally submit and surrender. Can you imagine being in those kinds of conditions, suffering? And I think Jonah knew, based on the call to go to Nineveh and to summon the Ninevites to repent and receive mercy, do you think that Jonah knew the heart of God? If God is willing to forgive millions of pagans that do the most horrific things to people, and even God's people, if he's willing to forgive them, if he's willing to show mercy to them, I think Jonah knew, God's going to do that to me too. God's going to forgive me because you and I know I'm Jonah. And deep down I know God's going to forgive. God's going to show mercy. But I I have to lay down. I have to get low. I have to surrender. And Jonah would rather die than surrender. And still in the torture of the conditions of this stomach acid bath that he's taking, three days, three days of no! How long is it going to take? How long is it going to take? God's like, I can do this all day. I can do this all week. I'm not done with you, Jonah. I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you. And Jonah said, well, I've been done with you for a while. What happens? What happens? Three days, three nights of defiance, not repenting, still rebelling. (laughs) I just wrote down, if I was Jonah, I think it would take about three seconds of being in that condition to lay down and get right. And then I started reflecting about the past 20 years of my life as a follower of Jesus. And guess what conclusion I keep coming back to? I'm Jonah. I'm like that. I still do that. Every single time. Why does it take so long? Why does it have to get so hard? I'm like that. I'm Jonah. I'd rather die than do God's will. Death is better than obedience. And with that heart, God doesn't turn his back. God doesn't say, fine, have your own way. God pursues and pursues and pursues. Isn't it amazing how far God will go to get a hold of your heart? Isn't it amazing to the great lengths that he goes to pursue at all costs? And isn't it amazing how firm our rebellion stays even as he does? I will not! I don't don't know if uh, we're, we're all familiar with the, the story of little Billy in the back of the classroom standing up, jumping on his desk, and the teacher, Billy, sit down, sit down, be quiet. And after about 10 minutes of this, finally, Billy plumps on his chair and looks right in her eyes and says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Fine, I'll go back to church. Fine, I'll, I'll read my Bible. Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll try to start doing the right thing. But inside, where are you today, right? Where are you? Because God's not looking for exterior, right, outward behavior modification and tweaking of jumping through the hoops and doing the right things. He wants your heart. He's after your heart. And he's going to do whatever it takes to get it. And how many times... We 
do we wonder, why does it have to be so hard? Why does it have to take so long? Because I'm Jonah. I'm Jonah. So Jonah, here we go. Step three, Jonah is beginning the process of, okay, I'm having to lay low. Three days, it doesn't get lower than this. Step three, what's the purpose of this? Well, like, why would God do this? Not just chase after him, but make him so uncomfortable living in sin, so uncomfortable running away. And step three, if you're taking notes, just jot down, look up, look up, look up. Verse, verses one through six of chapter two. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, uh, hell, or, or the, the dirt or the ground, uh, Sheol can be translated. But here he's saying, I'm, I'm practically living in hell. I am in the darkness, right? And he's crying out, you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. All your waves, your billows passed over me. Then, everybody say then. Then I said, <laughs> after all of this, then, then. Then I'm driven away from your sight. It's like you're not even there. You've turned your back. But what does he believe? Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Everybody say hope. There's hope. Even in the dark, he knows. He knows. God, where are you? You're gone. You've turned your back on me. But I, I know I'm yours. I know I'm yours. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed up upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. If we're talking about God getting his attention and that he would look up. He would look up. I mean, we're talking worst season of his life, worst moments of his life, worst days of his life. And who is responsible? I think some days we go, Satan, right? Like, like get behind me. Like, I'm so sick of being tempted and being tortured and, and the demonic, it's everywhere and there's darkness. Has it ever crossed our mind that if we're living in disobedience, Satan doesn't need to chase you down. He's already got you where he wants you. Do you know Who's afflicting you? Do you know who's getting your attention? Do you know who's making your life miserable when you're running from God? It's God. He's after you. Right? Don't blame Satan for what God is trying to do to shake you awake. And finally, we see finally, Jonah came to a place where he thought, God, God has turned his is back on me, and, and deep down I know some truths, I know some things, I, 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 went, I went to church, I, I learned a couple things, but right now, it's like, what does he say? I, I've been expelled, I've been rejected from you, you're not even looking at me, you don't even know where I'm at, and, and I jotted down four, can we do some q and I got, I got four questions, okay? I, I bet you you're going to get these right, because I know you're sharp this morning, hopefully we're, we're well caffeinated, all right? Here we go, here we go, four questions. Did Jonah, here's, here's a tough one, okay. Did Jonah feel like God had lost sight of him? Yes or no? Yes, big time. God, where are you? God, you've turned your back on me. Here's, here's a tough question. Had God lost sight of him? Y'all are on it. You're on it. His experience was not reality, right? 
His experience was the exact opposite of what was true. And so I, I think you can get number three and four. Okay, ready? Do we sometimes feel like God has lost sight of us? Turn his back on us? Has he? Not a single moment. But it feels, it feels like if you cared, God, if you loved me, if, if you were really for me, if you were with me, my life would be so different. I'd be in such a different place. I wouldn't be facing this. And what's true of Jonah is true of us. Our feelings betray us. And the word can free us, the truth, to come back to the forefront of our minds. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, it's not true. It's not true. What you feel and what God is doing may not be on the same page. Verse 5, let's, let's go back to that. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Jonah, you're in a fish. You are in a painful situation, painful circumstance, and God is trying to get your full attention. Does he have it? Does he have it? God would say to Jonah, am I making myself clear? Do you hear me? Do you see that it's me? And Jonah finally, finally, everybody say finally, finally comes to a place where he says, God, crystal, crystal clear, loud and clear. I see you. I hear you. I know what you're trying to do. Jonah didn't think that he was coming out of the fish. Can we just be honest? He, he didn't think he was going to survive this one. He thought he was done. He knew he was going to heaven. He, he said, I know that I'm going to see the, the city. I know that I'm going to see paradise again. I know that I'm going home. But my life, for a rebel like this, for somebody that has been so defiant, he doesn't get a second chance. He doesn't get to continue on walking with the Lord. He doesn't get forgiveness. He doesn't get mercy. I am Jonah. You ever feel like that? What God would ever forgive what I've done and how far I've gone and how defiant I've been? He thought he was gone. It says what? I mean, the bars were around me forever, forever. He thought this is over. And this is where I think one of the most powerful moments in, in Jonah. He thinks this is the end of his life, and what does he do? What does he do with his last moments? There's only a few minutes left, and he says this, I'm going to get right with God. And I, I want us to be sobered by the reality. We don't know how much we have time on this earth. We don't know how much is left. We don't know. We don't know. And I, I hope in your heart the one passion that you have is I want to be right with my God. Not just right for a moment, not just right in crisis, not just my last breath, not just in, in a hospital bed, not just my, my last effort to speak is, God, forgive me, but right now, right now, before it's too late. And every day, not just to get right, but to, to stay right with God. But he thought this was this was it. And I wonder if Exodus 34.6 came to his mind. If you want to jot down this address, Exodus 34.6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful. That's our God. That's our God. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That no matter what's happening, that we would come back to this. What do I know about my God? 
Who do I know God to be? This is what God is like. Even in the horrific circumstances, even in great loss and grief, even when plans don't go according to, to our way and our timing, that we would come back to this. God, everything's falling apart and I don't know what the future holds. I don't even know what's going to happen this week. I don't know how it's going to get paid. I don't know how we're going to reconcile with that broken relationship. I don't know how you're going to supply for this particular need. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I need to come back to what I know is always true. And may Exodus 34, 6 maybe be your verse. May that be the three by five card that's on, on your dash, on your bathroom windshield or wind window and your uh even here here's this i i had a a pastor that mentored me and what he would do is laminate scripture and he would put it in the shower and i'm like that's that's right i need god's word everywhere even when i'm naked in the shower oh i need god's word everywhere i go okay so you post it paste it slap it everywhere okay but i wonder if truth like this who is my God? Because it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. But my God is unchanging. This is my God. This is my God. And when you relent, and when you lay down, and when you look up and you turn to him, everything changes. Everything changes. Turn to your neighbor and say, everything changes. Let him know. Everything changes. Everything changes at the point of, I surrender I laid down. I'm done running. I'm done fighting. I'm done making excuses. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Jonah should have known more about God's grace. But I think he was confident that God would forgive the Ninevites. But in those moments, he was not confident God would forgive him. Are you like that? God, I, I know that you can change other people's lives. I know that you can forgive people in a moment. I know that you can supply and provide for other people. But, but for me, mm, but I, like, I, I'm confident that you are at work in other people's lives, just not mine. Everybody say that's a problem. It's in, in our hearts that we would say, God, may that be for me, this grace, this mercy. Step four. Step four, if you're taking notes, what, what's God's goal of getting Jonah's attention? I mean, have you thought about this? Like, what is the end for Jonah? Does he just want Jonah to, like, just do your job, right? Just do your job. Just go to Nineveh and just finish what I told you to start. Just do the work. Is that the end? Is that the end? Step four. I think God's got something bigger. Verses seven through nine, if you're taking notes, just jot down, fire up, fire up, fire up. Lift up your voice and say that. Fire up. Come on. Fire up. There we go. You got it. Come on. We, we got a few. We got a few that are ready, that are ready. Here we go. I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord, Jonah's thinking in his mind, even when my life was fainting away. Do you see verse 7? When my life was fainting away, I remembered, I remembered, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came up to you into your holy temple, those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake hope. They forsake their hope of steadfast love. That's what God's offering, verse 9. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. God, you're worthy. For what I have vowed, I will pay. I said I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. How hard does it have to get? How low does he have to get? 
in order to come to a place of God's not just after the pagan cities and the pagan nations. He's not just calling everybody to repent. He's not just bringing salvation to those people in a moment of clarity, in a moment of repentance, of turning away from the hardness and turning towards God. He says, salvation is from the Lord for who? He was like, this is for me. It's for me. God's for me. He's for me. I am Jonah. Man, they need to get saved. And, and man, they need to hear the gospel. They need to get their life turned around. They need a, a change in their life. And something powerful happens when all of a sudden we look in the mirror and we go, I need that. God's offering that for me, my heart first, that I would receive it so that I could offer it with passion. He's trying to, Jonah, not just to a place of, are you going to obey now? Yeah, I guess. He's like, I want to fire you up with truth that you already know, but I want it to go from your head to your heart, and I want you to be sent with a, a passion, a, a fire burning that you are fully convinced of the message that you're about to carry to the Ninevites, that you would believe it, Jonah, that you would believe it. He's getting them fired up here. Jonah's idol had not been a little totem pole. He saw those vain idols that, that people worship. Jonah had an idol, but it had been an idol of my timing, my way, my life, my comfort, my sense of peace, me. Jonah was all about himself until God brought him low, brought him way, way low. And he finally says, I will, because he knows salvation is of the Lord. He said, I promised I would do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I promise I will do it. And now I will. Everybody say, I will. There's something powerful about a sense of God, I will. You know how freeing that is? We talked about last week. Do you know how hard it is to say, no, God, not right now. I'm busy. Oh, I got so much going on. And, and God, after this season and after this, and it seems too hard. And no, 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 no. Do you know how exhausting of a life it is to claim to be a believer of Jesus and just constantly being rubbed the wrong way by God's call to obedience when obedience is freedom? Obedience is life. It is so heavy to constantly live in a place of justifying and excuses and blame shifting and finger pointing and saying no to God is exhausting. Saying yes, suddenly the lights go on. The future all of a sudden looks clear. I know what I'm called to do. I know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. All of the baggage of the world that pulls me down, all of the selfishness that fills me is now emptied. Now I'm filled with the fire of God saying yes to his mission, yes to his ways. Oh, he's fired up. He's fired up. So what happens when you get fired up? We're going to find out because we got, we got this last step. Step five is coming up. So what happens when God gets a hold of a man's heart, gets a hold of a woman's heart? What happens when that heart is fired up? What's the result? He gets fired up and then let up, let up. Finally, the pressure, it finally lets up, the pressure. Finally, Jonah comes to his senses, and now Jonah's ready to do God's work, to get our attention. He finally lets up, but what did it take to get to a place of, I can't do this anymore. I don't have this. I, I don't got it. I don't got it. After so long of trying to do it on my own, figure it out on my own, fix it on my own, finally, the surrender and the fire up, the burning in the belly that he has, he's ready to go, and God starts working on the rescue for Jonah before he sends the rescue for Nineveh. And what does he do? What do we have? 
Verse 10, the Lord spoke to this fish. Fish was minding his own business the moment that God says, fish? He says, yes, creator, where am I going? Did you know that all of creation obeys God? We're the only thing created, made in his image. Human beings, we're the only part of creation that does not obey God. All of creation is when, how, where, what do I do? The fish, it goes, and it vomited. Everybody say vomit. There we go. Didn't think you were going to say that in church, did you? It vomited Jonah out upon dry land. What's the result? The let up. You could put in parentheses, throw up, if, if you just feel like we're trying to be more accurate to the text. Just really grab what's right there in front of us, right? Vomited him up. I don't know where you go from this point of hearing Jonah's story. I don't know where you find yourself, but I know for some of us, there may be some big things. There may be some big areas where God's been trying to get my attention for so long. And we said last week, the longer that you rebel, the harder it is to come back. But you know that God's calling you back nonetheless. I don't know if you have never started a relationship with Jesus and that today's the day of, I don't even know God. I've heard about him. I've been around church. Maybe I've been around Christians. But for some of us, we, maybe we grew up in the church. Maybe we've been around the church for a really long time. But yet the past months and years have not looked like faithful dedication to God and his church, his people, the ministry of the word. And God's saying, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get your attention. How hard does it have to be? How long do we have to go at this? And that today, today could be the day. God, would you change our, our hearts that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be consumed looking at others, how others need to repent, how others need to get right, how those people over there need to change. God, would you take us through a season starting, starting through this series where we would look in the mirror and we would ask you to speak directly into our hearts and that we would hear your voice, that it wouldn't take being thrown overboard, but instead that we could bow the knee on the deck before it's too late and that we would say yes to whatever you're calling us to, calling to submit to your will, to turn away from the old, to experience the new. God, we want to get low together and we want to hear you speak. And God, you want to hear us say, I will, I will. So may that be our response together. We will, God. Wherever you want to take us as a church, wherever you want to take us as families, however you want to lead us into this new season, new chapter, even if it gets harder, even if it gets darker, that we would say yes. Yes, I will. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.